Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's Beamaz and Beamer. Now Brian Mazarowski and Joe Beamer. News Radio 930 WBEN. All right, if you're just joining us this morning, the uh, breaking news is that the Johnson & Johnson COVID vaccine, CDC and FDA recommends that its use be paused throughout the U.S. And this just coming in from New York State in the past couple of minutes, that they will uh, kind of follow that recommendation. Uh, they will follow the CDC's recommendation, pause the use of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine statewide immediately today. So that's at state-run clinics. There's still no clear indication. You would assume this means that at pharmacies locally, uh, this would happen too. That's where most of the Johnson & Johnson vaccination appointments have been at pharmacies and not these state-run clinics. Um, But those will be, um, you know, uh, put on pause for right now. This mostly will impact SUNY schools, who uh, many of them were going to begin vaccinations today with the Johnson and Johnson vaccine. So that is all uh, happening. The state acting uh, right away on this CDC recommendation. It took them a while to follow the CDC recommendation on schools, but uh, acting within an hour on this CDC recommendation on the Johnson and Johnson vaccine. It is Beamaz and Beamer here on WBEN. Good morning. And joining us to talk about this breaking development is Dr. John Selleck, an infectious disease expert. Dr. Selleck, good morning. Uh, good morning. Uh, thanks for uh, having me on. And we appreciate you joining us on such short notice. So this coming down about an hour and a half ago that the U.S. will pause. And as you heard Brian say, New York State jumping on board and will also pause the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. This coming from six cases of blood clots. Uh, can you explain just how rare this is for a vaccine to have this problem and uh, what does the future hold for Johnson & Johnson? Uh, well, this is, uh, this is a little bit interesting. Uh, this is uh, <clears throat> the, uh, the blood clots that have been reported uh, with the J&J vaccine and also the AstraZeneca vaccine, which is uh, not used in the United States but is used extensively elsewhere in the world. It's not the typical uh, kind of blood clots uh, that occur, uh, you know, that people might get in their legs, uh, you know, from inactivity or such. Uh, some of these are much more severe, uh, occurring in the, the large veins uh, inside the, uh, you know, inside your head, inside of your uh, brain. Uh, it's, uh, this has been seen, again, uh, with the AstraZeneca vaccine. It's not really uh, seen very often uh, with other vaccines. Uh, the important thing to keep in mind 
uh, these happen on their own. So uh, what the FDA is going to look right now, look at right now is how uh, the uh, the occurrence of these in people who have gotten the vaccine compares to the background rate that would normally happen uh, anyway uh, in in the population. So I, I think for right now, uh, I, I don't think anybody is throwing out their J&J vaccine, but uh, certainly we're all, uh, you know, in agreement that we have to take this pause, uh, try to figure out what the data are showing us, and then make some decision about uh, what we will do with that vaccine going forward. It seems like because this it appears to be very limited and very rare. We're talking about six instances in about 7 million shots given here in the U.S. And over, if this is a similar um, you know, problem with the Johnson & Johnson vaccine as it is with the AstraZeneca and that blood clotting issue, they have a, about 200 and over 34 million people who have received the vaccine over in Europe. Uh, because uh, that small amount is, uh, you know, dealing with this side effect of blood clotting, does that make it easier to kind of pinpoint who might be at risk and what decision to make with the vaccine going forward? Uh, That's actually a very good point, because uh, if you look at the uh, two uh, papers uh, on a a smaller number of uh, patients that were reported in the New England Journal of Medicine last week, uh, this seems to... uh, uh, disproportionately affect uh, women and uh, relatively young women. So some of the European countries with the AstraZeneca vaccine have said, okay, uh, we will just use this now on people over the age of 60, where the risk is uh, much lower and the risk of bad outcomes from uh, COVID is much higher. So uh, we may see uh, some kind of messaging like that as this all settles out, that there will be uh, particular populations uh, that uh, that will be safe uh, to use this particular vaccine and other populations where we say, uh, you know, even though the risk is rare, it's, it's uh, you know, very serious if it happens uh, and, uh, you know, we don't want to use it uh, in those settings. You know, looking at Johnson & Johnson, as Brian said, very similar to the AstraZeneca, what's going on in Europe, was this a risk that would have been foreseen after seeing what had happened in Europe with AstraZeneca with those blood clots? Was this something that was expected since they are very similar vaccines? Yeah, I don't know if you would say expected, but I'm sure it uh, it heightened everybody's uh, interest in this. Uh, they are similar vaccines. Uh, but the adenovirus vectors that are used are uh, are different, uh, so they're not uh, absolutely identical. Uh, but I'm sure that, uh, you know, what the FDA looked at uh, was that, uh, you know, we had uh, three or four of these reports with J&J uh, as of the end of last week, and then they're seeing what's happening in Europe. Uh, so I think that... Um, you know, a bunch of the emails I've gotten this morning, uh, you know, some people saying to me, well, we shouldn't stop. We need to, you know, this is very rare. We need to keep going. But uh, I think this is the, uh, you know, proverbial abundance of precaution uh, kind of scenario where, uh, you know, we're, we're looking at this uh, proactively and showing that the monitoring systems work very well. Uh, and that if we have to pause, we will pause. And, and that's exactly what the FDA did.
Dr. Selleck, you know, there's people listening right now who are on the fence about the vaccine anyway, and they hear this news from Johnson & Johnson. They've heard the news overseas of AstraZeneca, and they have an appointment this week for, say, the Moderna. What would you say to them if right now they're, you know, questioning actually going and getting that vaccine that's not Johnson & Johnson? Right. I, I would tell them, uh, keep your appointment and please go get it. Uh, again, the the technology of the uh, BioNTech, Pfizer, and Moderna vaccines is completely different uh, from the J&J and uh, AstraZeneca. Uh, there have been uh, hundreds of millions of doses of, uh, you know, the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines given uh, with no uh, safety signals uh, like this. So, uh, you know, certainly one of the things that, uh, you know, we're worried about is that, uh, you know, people who uh, – either we're not hesitant now will become hesitant or the people who are hesitant will continue to be hesitant. Uh, but I strongly encourage everyone, uh, if you can get uh, one of the uh, two mRNA vaccines, uh, the Pfizer or the Moderna, uh, please go get it. Uh, I myself got the Pfizer because that's what we had at the VA. Uh, and I, uh, you know, I would have, uh, uh, you know, no hesitation whatsoever about getting those. And uh, if you're listening and wondering, well, how do I know what va- if I do have an appointment? It should be relatively easy to know. Wegman's announcing they are canceling all their Johnson & Johnson vaccine appointments, including those scheduled for today. Uh, and they're pausing the use of the J&J vaccine until the CDC gives the green light once again. So uh, you should kind of know based on who is giving you the vaccine and a lot of those appointments being canceled as of right now. Um, you know, Dr. Selleck, when you're uh, talking about this and, uh, you know, Joe mentioned the kind of scare factor and there's a lot of people pointing the uh, finger right now at the FDA, um, you know, prominent voices online saying, why would you do this? You know, why make this pause and kind of put that, you know, th- notion in everybody's mind that this might not be a good vaccine uh, over just six cases in seven million shots. But uh, there is a good reason for doing this, right? Including, I mean, you might say that it could in- improve the public confidence that it is being taken seriously, any sign of a side effect. Yes, I, you know, I think this is the, the key thing. Uh, and as, as you can well imagine, uh, you know, when you're in the regulatory uh, hot seat on this, uh, you know, it's the proverbial damned if you do, damned if you don't. Uh, so if you don't, uh, take the pause and more of these show up and you're going to be criticized very heavily uh, for uh, letting it go on. Uh, and in this case, uh, you know, where you say, uh, uh, you know, you stopped and you're and you're undermining. Uh, but, uh, you know, your 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 potential to get yelled at is very high no matter what you do. And I think most of us agree uh, that if there is uh, a, a reasonable chance that this is higher than what is seen of this type of blood clot in the uh, general population uh, that uh, the smart thing to do is to take a pause. And again, they didn't say we're canceling. They didn't tell everybody to to discard their vaccine. They just said, we are going to take a pause and we are going to look at the data. Uh, I saw that the CDC has already announced a Wednesday uh, emergency meeting of the Vaccine Advisory Committee. Uh, So this is going to be looked at. Uh, very, very, uh, uh, very carefully. And I think that this is the wise thing to do. Again, you know, we don't want to scare people, uh, but we don't want something to get out of hand either. Uh, like I said, the two-edged sword. So I, I think they're doing the right thing. 
and I can't imagine that, uh, you know, any of the places that are currently giving the J&J vaccine are just going to keep on doing it. I, I suspect that uh, most places will do, uh, as, as you said, with, uh, uh, with Wegmans, most places are going to say, okay, we're going to put this on hold until uh, the FDA and the CDC tell us that uh, the risk is not inordinate. We've been talking a lot about that uh, that cost benefit, uh, mostly when talking about the vaccine and kids, because that's where it might you know come into play more. Once you start getting you know under twelve, not that the vaccine, uh, any vaccine, has been approved for that age yet, but you start to kind of weigh maybe a little bit more the cost and benefit of things. Are we going to start doing that now more with the Johnson and Johnson vaccine? Um, you, you know, if you are a woman, you are um, you know under the age of fifty or so, and you have an appointment for the vaccine. And, you know, especially maybe I'm thinking, uh, Dr. Selleck, about people who have been previously infected with COVID and are kind of walking around with that level of antibody protection. They want to get vaccinated anyway on top of that. Uh, Is it maybe, you know, hearing this news, more of a sign to say, okay, well, I still want to get vaccinated, but I'm going to stay away from the Johnson & Johnson vaccine just out of caution. Um, is it right to arm people with that information? Uh, do you think maybe that decision will be made for people who are in that situation? Well, I, I think that this is going to be an evolving story. Uh, when you look at our uh, other current vaccines, I mean, there, there are 10 or 15 different companies that make influenza vaccine. And I've uh, never heard in, in you know, my, my 35 years as an infectious diseases doctor of somebody of calling up and saying, okay, which brand of flu shot are you giving? Uh, so I, I think it's a little bit unusual for us. Uh, but I think that, uh, you know, in the current environment, uh, based on what comes out of the FDA and the CDC review, uh, the, you know, even if they don't make a, a particular, uh, the, the regulatory people don't make a particular recommendation for this, uh, people may choose to do it on their own. And, uh, you know, I think that Uh, You know, that's going to be something that we're just going to have to see how it develops and how uh, uh, anxious people will be based on uh, what the uh, reviews of the the J&J vaccine uh, wind up showing us. Dr. Selk, I know you you, you touched on this earlier, uh, but say when this is all said and done, right, the review board takes a look at it. um, And and is it possible they put Johnson & Johnson back on the market? Yes, they say, hey, this is recommended for, you know, people over 60. um, But is it possible they just put it back on the market and say, hey, this is the risk, just like with any medication. You know, you watch a a commercial for a drug and it says, hey, it could cause, and it lists off a a list of things. Could that be how the Johnson & Johnson vaccine goes forward? Yes, there is a risk of blood clots, but it is now, again, available to everyone. Yeah, I I could see either of those scenarios uh, happening, and you're absolutely correct. And this was one of the uh, big pieces that came out of the direct consumer advertising is that uh, the pharmaceutical companies have to tell you what the risks are. And and uh, as you well know, many people get particular prescriptions, uh, specifically ask their physicians for particular drugs, uh, you know, based on, uh, you know, what they've seen in advertising or what friends have told them, not fully recognizing what the side effects are, uh, you know, some of which are uh, potentially very serious with certain drugs. So uh, we may see the uh, we may see it come out this way. The FDA may look and say, uh, okay, we've got these few cases here, but this is not substantially different 
uh, from what we see in the background with this type of uh, clotting disorder, and therefore we're just putting it back on the market uh, for uh, general use. Uh, you know, that that is one of the options, uh, or they uh, may say that, uh, you know, we will reserve this for people outside of the uh, particular groups that you mentioned, since that's already been done in some European countries with the AstraZeneca vaccine. So there's, um, you know, there are, a, you know, there are a number of ways that this could come out. And, and I think we're all hopeful uh, that the reviews will show uh, that this remains a safe vaccine because, uh, you know, there are just so many advantages to this, uh, you know, the single dose and especially the, uh, the requirements for handling, not having to, um, uh, you know, have the deep freeze for it. Uh, you know, there are many, many reasons we would like to continue to use this as long as it's safe. Even before this happened, I was reading uh, something published earlier today before this story broke about how there is more people uh, starting to think again about delaying those second vaccination shots uh, for the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines because COVID cases are on the rise and it seems to have had a, a really positive impact over in the UK where they've kind of done a similar thing. Does the news with Johnson & Johnson maybe uh, spur a recalculation at all of whether or not that's a good idea? I know a couple of weeks ago because of the abundance of vaccine, especially talking about this Johnson & Johnson vaccine, that it seemed like, you know, maybe it's just too late to put the genie back in the bottle, so to speak, and now tell people something different than what they've been told for months and months. But might that change now if we are looking at an extended pause with the J&J? Yeah, you know, it, it's an interesting question. And, and this discussion has been going on for uh, months now, as, as you know, um, you know, the, the idea of, uh, well, gee, you get 80 percent uh, protection after one dose of the uh, Pfizer and Moderna, uh, you know, let's hold off on the second dose. I, I think the important things for those of us who are not in favor of, of holding off are that, number one, uh, now with these variants circulating and some evidence uh, that higher antibody levels uh, give us more protection against these variants, uh, I think that uh, I would be very, very cautious uh, in terms of, uh, you know, going outside of the dosing uh, that the studies used, uh, because that's what has shown us uh, that we get very good protection. And the other thing is, uh, you know, it depends on, uh, you know, what people want you to hear. Uh, but you also saw in the news uh, yesterday uh, that, uh, you know, the U.K. has been pretty much locked down uh, for uh, quite some time now, and they're just now starting to reopen. So uh, how much of their decrease in cases is because they were able to uh, split up more doses, uh, you know, by by holding on the second one, and how much of it was because they shut everything down. So, uh, you know, this is not a, uh, you know, this is not a clear, uh, you know, clear kind of story uh, about what happened in the UK. So, I think many of us are very concerned with the, uh, uh, as you've seen, all of the information about the variants that are circulating in the U.S. Uh, holding off on that second dose. Uh, many of us uh, don't think is the best idea. Dr. John Selleck with the VA and the Jacobs School of Medicine, thank you so much for joining us this morning. 
Thanks again for having me. This is important, and uh, everybody be safe and get your vaccines if you're scheduled for the uh, Moderna or Pfizer. All right. Uh, Dr. Salik, thanks so much. And on that point of scheduling, if you're kind of wondering if you're holding on to an appointment, what this does to you, this latest news, uh, it kind of depends on where you're holding on to that appointment, right? So if you made an appointment at a state-run site, uh, at a state-run site, uh, you will, and you were scheduled to get the Johnson and Johnson vaccine. You will be given a Pfizer vaccine instead, so you'll be able to hold on to your appointment, and it would be a different vaccine. Of course, if you, I mean, you could just cancel it altogether if you say I, I don't want that vaccine. I'd rather, even with the news, get the Johnson and Johnson vaccine, and I'll wait until that's approved again. Uh, you can, of course, do that. But that's what they're doing in New York State-run sites uh, on SUNY campuses. We've heard from a couple already. They're just canceling their uh, clinics because they had the Johnson and Johnson vaccine. Uh, they were ready to give that to students today and offer that, and that's not happening. Wegmans is just canceling those appointments, not replacing it with another because all those appointments are booked up. They don't have extras lying around. So if you had a J and J appointment at a Wegmans, that's canceled. I haven't seen official word from Rite Aid, CVS, other pharmacies. I would imagine the same thing is true over there. So if yeah, if you're canceled at one of those places reschedule for a Pfizer or Moderna. If it's a state-run site, make sure you still go uh, because they will be giving you a shot of the Pfizer vaccine. When we come up, when we come back, we have Dr. Catherine Mullen to talk about the J&J news. It is BMAS and Beamer. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's Beamaz and Beamer. Now Brian Mazarowski and Joe Beamer. News Radio 930 WBEN. All right, the U.S. calling for a pause on the Johnson & Johnson vaccine after uh, some rare cases in blood clotting. New York State is doing the same. And we are speaking live now with Dr. Catherine Mullen. She is Director of Infection Control and Prevention at Roswell Park. Uh, Dr. Mullen, thanks for being on with us once again. Uh, We look at this situation. It is an extremely rare situation, but the first thing that's going to pop into everybody's head is, Oh, man, I just got the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, right? Because it's becoming a a little more available here in western New York. And and some people might be worried. What is the advice right now if you've had the Johnson & Johnson vaccine in the recent past? Sure. I mean, I guess the the, um, point would be that obviously if you have any health concerns or physical changes that you're concerned about, you should touch base with your doctor. Um, And this goes, this is, to be said, regardless of whether or not you've gotten this vaccine or another type of vaccine, um, you know, obviously we are monitoring um, any side effects very closely. 
the cases at hand, this pause was initiated by six cases, um, which in the setting of distributing six to seven million doses of this vaccine is relatively low. Um, so again, any concerns that people have uh, who have recently gotten um, any type of vaccine, they should discuss with their doctor. Looking at the uh, numbers we have right now, six people uh, within uh, in about seven million who have gotten this vaccine here in the U.S. Does this move from the FDA and, uh, of course, all the states following in this recommendation? Does it strike you as overreacting or, or is this appropriate with the information we have right now? No, I think this is completely appropriate. I mean, again, it may it is not saying that in any way the vaccine is dangerous. The whole point is that um, there are rigorous protocols, especially for drugs like these that are under EUA status, where, um, you know, we are in smaller studies, you're unable to see things that may be happening in one to one million um, doses. And so basically the pause is to ensure that there's enough time to look at these cases to see if there are any similarities or if there's really any signal that this could um, have have a link to the vaccine. At this point, it's still a question of if these are all linked to the vaccine or if there are other um, connections between these patients um, that need to be looked into. So again, this isn't saying that the vaccine is dangerous, that it may be that the vaccine goes, you know, full steam ahead in, you know, a week or two. But basically what the FDA and the CDC are saying is that we need a little bit of time to look into these cases and see if there are any links um, to the vaccine. Compare this to any other vaccine, right? And we've all had vaccines that aren't COVID vaccines. Uh, Six cases out of almost seven million doses. Is that common for a vaccine to have that kind of percentage of um, side effects to people that have been given the vaccine? Right. So, I mean, I think the best example, you know, uh, it's hard. This is a massive sort of um, global vaccine effort right now. And so there's almost nothing comparable in history where we've seen so many similar vaccines given in the same time period. But I guess what would be helpful to compare it to is that, for example, hormonal contraceptives cause somewhere between 500 and 1,000 cases of blood clots in a million people per year. Again, this would be, if it's attributed to the vaccine, one in one million. Smoking is associated with almost 2,000 cases in a million um, smokers, uh, you know. And, um, you know, COVID infection in and of itself uh, is attributed to over 100,000 cases within a million patients um, of blood clots that are related to the virus itself. So, um, you know, this is something, again, that is totally appropriate. It means our safety protocols are working um, for the FDA to look into these cases. Um, but it's not necessarily something that we're going to end up saying is a major safety hazard. But, again, the FDA needs time to look into these cases to determine whether or not that's true. So they look into these cases and they discover, yeah, this is a very rare, but it is a potential risk of getting the vaccine. They could put the vaccine back on the market, even with this this very rare uh, potential, right? It could be. And it also could be that they may say that there's a subgroup of people that should avoid taking the vaccine. We commonly see this with medications where they say this medication is approved, but for this subset of people, um, be wary that this is a, a higher likelihood. So, for example, all six of these cases happened in women between the ages of 18 and 48, um, and so it may be that there's some tie that um, these all these patients have in similar that would basically say if you're on this medication or you have this disorder, you're, you're, you should avoid this vaccine. You should opt for one of the other two approved vaccines 
But again, we're going to have to give um, the FDA some time to look at those possible links um, with these specific patients and the and the blood clots themselves. Is this a similar issue to what we've seen with the AstraZeneca vaccine? Because we had heard of blood clots. It is, again, mostly women who have experienced that. It's very rare, uh, you know, in terms of the amount of vaccine they've given out uh, and younger women, too. Uh, is this pretty much the same issue, can we say? So it, it's possible. And again, um, you know, obviously it's a, it's a similar signal. And I think that um, that is one of the reasons why uh, prudently um, the FDA probably um, stopped this with a relatively low amount of cases to say, oh, we should look and, and see if these are linked together. Um, because obviously this has been associated with other vaccines is not necessarily the exact same mechanism. Um, but it is something that probably everybody's had a little bit of heightened awareness for. Um, given the discussion about other um, uh, COVID vaccines and this related medical issue. But this is a different issue, right, then. We've heard out in Georgia and Colorado, they've um, halted some of their Johnson & Johnson vaccination sites after people were suffering adverse reactions, which in those cases, it kind of sounded like the immune response that we've been warned about, um, you know, before getting really any of these vaccines, uh, a lot of times and just uh, people felt that they were so severe they needed to, you know, sit down or, or go to the hospital or something like that. This is a totally different thing than what we've heard in those cases, it sounds like. Right, right. Yeah, this is this is different than, than those concerns. I mean, this specifically for um, types of severe blood clots. And so, um, again, given that there is a couple of cases now, it's um, it really just means that our safety systems are working um, and we should be looking into this because we want to we want to make sure that we're educating patients um, as much as possible. And again, it may be we're learning more every day about all of the vaccines that are available. Um, and it may be uh, at the end of the day, um, we would know that certain patients do better with certain types of vaccine. Um, and so I guess the important thing is to say, you know, we should really give the FDA some time to look into these cases to see you know, whether or not we're going to need to provide more guidance about subsets um, of populations who, um, you know, would potentially have concerns. Um, but it, it's really too early to say whether or not this is going to be a significant concern for the general population. So with that said, say I had an appointment today for Johnson Johnson at a state-run site, and now they're going to give me a Pfizer uh, vaccine. Should I feel safe to go and get that vaccine? Absolutely. I mean, the vaccines that are on the, the market are all extremely effective. We know that there's still a lot of COVID in the community, um, and our rates recently have been rising. This remains a significant threat. And again, I'd like to reiterate the, the risk of getting um, a serious blood clot related to this coronavirus is about 165 per million. Um, and so your risk of having a serious blood clot, um, particularly this issue that we're talking about today, is much, much higher related to getting the virus itself rather than a vaccine. And this has not been a signal that's been seen in the mRNA vaccines. I would definitely advise people to get vaccinated as soon as possible. Obviously, um, the J- there is an appropriate pause right now for the J&J vaccine, but that's not, um, you know, again, we'll have to wait and see. Um, this may be um, something that's um, you know, told can resume um, in, in days to weeks. Um, but I think that Americans should really be, um, be thrilled that our safety systems are working um, and that we're really looking out for everybody's best interest um, in making sure that we are able to, um, you know, continue to say that everything we're recommending um, is completely safe. Um, the, but I would say if you have the opportunity to get vaccinated with, with the other two um, types of vaccines in the interim, please do as soon as possible. 
I, you know, for people, because everyone's going to be wondering right now, especially if you've had this shot uh, in the past couple of weeks, um, what does a, how do you know if you have a blood clot? What does a blood clot feel like? Um, you, you know, if you are concerned and you're thinking, oh man, you know, now, now my feet are starting to feel funny or, or something like that. Uh, what, what are the warning signs uh, for this uh, if people are concerned? Sure. So um, the, the most common type of sort of odd symptoms could be um, sort of arm or leg swelling on one or uh, one side or the other, um, pain in, in those extremities. Um, you, can, you can develop these blood clots um, in your extremities, and then they can travel to your lungs. Obviously, if anyone has sudden onset shortness of breath, anything like that, um, obviously you should be concerned, and, and in that, that's more of an emergency situation where you should contact 911. But if you are finding that you're having you know, abnormal pain and swelling in one of your extremities or something like that, um, skin changes, something that's, that's really odd, you should contact your doctor. And, I, again, I would say this. Regardless, this is general messaging. We talked about some of the other things that can cause blood clots. There are lots of medications. There are lots of other um, sort of environmental things, um, you know, habits like smoking that significantly increase your risk of getting blood clots. So this would be my general advice for everyone. If you're if you're having unilateral swelling in your leg, you should talk to your doctor. Um, but you know, in the setting of having a recent vaccine, that's something you should definitely mention to your doctor. Um, in in the setting of you know the right now. People are more often getting not getting vaccinated at their doctor's offices, so um, there, you know, you would have to um, share that information that you got recently vaccinated. So I would definitely, if anyone has um, new medical questions or concerns within a short time period after getting a vaccination, um, definitely share that that uh, information with your doctor. So um, you know that uh, the appropriate um, concern will be given to whether or not this could be vaccine-related. But again, the overwhelming evidence is that these vaccines are really safe and that particularly with this issue, um, the FDA is appropriately looking into whether or not these cases are linked. You know, speaking of vaccines, uh, we all know Michigan right now is a hotspot for COVID cases. And yesterday, the state of Michigan asked the CDC for an increase in vaccines, to which the CDC said, no, that won't help, and that the right answer is to lock everything down again. Was the CDC right or was the state of Michigan right in wanting more vaccines? What is the appropriate way uh, for the 18% spike we see in Michigan? Um, I think it's difficult, really. I mean, I think we we know that decreasing high-risk exposure amongst people will decrease transmission. That's sort of a basic public health thing. If you're not within six feet unmasked um, of someone else, your likelihood of getting disease is very low. So in an emergency situation, I would say probably both are judicious. Um, You know, vaccines do take a couple of weeks to work for your immune system to build up. So it's not an immediate effect. That being said, over the next several weeks, increasing the amount of um, the population that's vaccinated will significantly help decrease the risk of transmissibility in a a high um, community transmission range. So um, I would say that both of those measures um, would be helpful for decreasing any type of surge. What do you think about that idea of for the two vaccines now that we do have, uh, Moderna and Pfizer, of delaying that second shot? Now that we have this new information about the Johnson and Johnson vaccine, it, it has kind of uh, proved to be effective over in the UK. We haven't done it here. Um, you know, in the past few weeks, it's been, well, our vaccine supply is enough where we do, don't really have to do it. Does, does this change that discussion at all? Um, I think that, that would really be a discussion. You know, again, the J and J situation is—it's not—it's—it's um, it's 
it's purely a pause to look into these cases. So this does not mean that the J&J vaccine is not going to be a useful tool for us ongoing. Um, right now, it sounds like um, our uh, vaccine resources are um, are adequate to not have to change the um, dosing regimen that we know is extremely effective, leading to 95 to 96% efficacy with the mRNA vaccines. So I think um, it would really be a question ongoing if we find ourselves in more of a vaccine um, uh, limited setting. Um, and, and again, that may change based on what we're seeing over the next few weeks. But right now, I think um, unless, the, unless we're in that situation, we should really be sticking with um, the protocol that we know is extremely effective at making sure that people, A, are not able to get severe disease and are, are also significantly not able to transmit disease as well. Both of these are extremely important in limiting community transmission to those who have not been able to get the vaccine um, for various reasons. Do you know, um, kind of based on the vaccine shelf life, so to speak, for pharmacies, you know, I'm thinking of all the places uh, right now who are announcing that they're canceling or postponing these vaccine appointments that were made for the Johnson Johnson shot, you know, Rite Aid, CVS, Wegmans, all across the area. Are they going to be able to easily store the Johnson & Johnson vaccine? And will they likely last until, you know, let's say, you know, I hate to put a time frame, but let's just say two months uh, that this pause lasts. Uh, it, that might be way longer or way shorter than, you know, the time we need. But if that happens, are they going to be able to hold on to that vaccine, uh, maybe even get more, and then if it's approved again, be you know ready to go with that same stockpile? We should be able to. I mean, again, this uh, this is I, I would hopefully not anticipate that uh, that the pause without some clarity would would last that long. I'm hoping that we get some clarity before that time period. So I'm hoping that we do not um, encounter shelf life issues. Um, the Moderna and the Pfizer vaccines do require, um, you know, specific freezing for storage. And so it does, the J&J vaccine um, is a really helpful um, public health tool because it is a little bit more accessible to um, to sites like CVS, um, Walgreens, um, CVS, Wegmans, things like that. So, again, I, you know, I'm hopeful that with further investigation, we'll be able to shed some light on, on what, it, it, what, if any, the real risks of the J&J vaccine are. Um, and therefore, you know, be able to continue to use it because it is an extremely useful tool. Um, but so I, I think that, you know, worrying about um, potential shelf life and whatnot um, is not something that, you know, we should do at this point. Um, and I'm hopeful, again, that that pause will not last um, as long as, as several months um, as, as you had asked. Hey, Dr. Mullen, we thank you so much for the time. We know you got to run uh, pretty busy, but uh, we really appreciate the time you gave to us today in helping us sort through a breaking story. That's Dr. Catherine Mullen, Director of Infection Control and Prevention at Roswell Park. And, you know, we're kind of seeing the fallout of the announcement today uh, over the last couple of hours. ECMC says they're suspending administration of Johnson & Johnson vaccines, but they say all patients scheduled for one of those uh, vaccines will be rescheduled to receive a Pfizer vaccine. So watch out for more information there. But similar things happening all throughout the area. And, and, you know, as we always say, you make your own decision when it comes to the vaccine. But as both doctors we had on today explained, Johnson & Johnson and AstraZeneca are different vaccines from the Moderna and Pfizer. So just wanted to reiterate what both doctors said on the show today. Different vaccine, and uh, even the AstraZeneca vaccine, we kind of compare it to, it it does have its differences. But if you missed anything we said today, uh, Dr. Mullen uh, joining us. Thank you very much, Dr. Um, 
Selick joining us before that. A lot of good information there on a breaking story and what we know so far. And we are expecting to learn a little bit more today. And then there's that meeting tomorrow. And who knows what will come from that. But as of right now, uh, no J&J shots in the area. And we'll be keeping you updated. David Bellavia is next. He will be talking about this breaking news from the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. As Brian said, if you missed anything, on demand at WBEN.com and the Odyssey app. And don't forget to subscribe to BMAS and Beamer. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.